when 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 you look at how people um, buy, like their buying trends and their consumer trends with with produce, it almost follows suit to how they're going to buy it for cannabis because it's something that they're putting in their body, uh, so they're going to want to follow the same trends. And so, if people are already buying tomatoes, buying their eggs, buying their lettuce and their fruit at a farmer's market they're going to connect with the growers who are, who are providing them with their cannabis. It's total, the total natural connection. I mean, if there's enough for three, yeah. you know, three honey guys and three soap guys, there's certainly enough room and people certainly would want the desire. I would, I mean, if I could go to the farmer's market and pick up all that in one spot, you would, you would do it right. Like that's dope. I'm really glad to hear NYC going that route. Um, you know, I know they're, uh, we have a mutual person we know there, Aaron Raskin. He's always talking about how different and crazy it is. Lobos baby. Lobos. Right? Yeah, yeah, Lobo all day, baby. Lobo for life, we like to say. Uh, yeah, Aaron will be on the show after you. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's lined up and ready to rock. We love that part of it, uh, everything he's doing for sure. So, Damien, as we sort of wrap this up, I think, I don't know if you turned me on to it, but uh, the vertical growing, right, the indoor vertical growing, I think you turned me on to an article from a group of people, I want to say in, like, Wyoming. It was a super cold place where they just began this, like, vertical indoor grow is that something you're seeing in these harsher climates where people aren't able to necessarily or maybe it doesn't make sense to do greenhouse to get into that vertical grow to do more of that uh here in those in our, in our cold states yeah i mean i think again it goes back to being able to have a um, localized production system whether it be cannabis or you know we also see an increase of like strawberry crops coming indoors right and so and crops that are that require certain seasonalities and that now you can bring them indoors and grow them year round, right? You're no longer constricted to something that grows only in Southern California in the summertime, right? And so now you're able to produce and offer those products um, to your local consumers. And so one way of doing that is obviously going into um, an indoor growing situation. Um, and in either capacity, whether it's a greenhouse situation or an indoor situation, you need to supply the same type of inputs, right? In the greenhouse situation, you still need light, but it comes from the sun. In an indoor situation, you're going to be sole source lighting through a, a lighting source, like a fixture, an LED fixture, an HID fixture. Um, but the plant still needs to get light. So how you deliver those inputs changes slightly, but it doesn't omit the fact that the plant still needs light. It still needs, uh, you know, proper temperature. So they're just slightly varying levels of equipment and technology to deliver that but um what what's more important is that um you're able to you know get a year-round production system and i think when you're building brands and you're trying to support that brand and you have a certain brand promise behind it you want to make sure that your product is also consistent um and repeatable because then the consumer's experience is going to be consistent and repeatable and if you can give them what they want 100 percent of the time that they want it they're not going to go to the competitor and so at the basis of, of a successful business is that that's what you have to do and you know that because that's how you run your business that's how you run the king is Correct. that you're there you supply consistent always on results and that's what i think a lot of people don't understand about businesses in general is that it's about consistency that's what mm -hmm. I tell people. That's why we've been able to run our business in a humongous space like automotive for a decade is because we're consistent. We do the exact same thing every single time we set out to do it. That way we know it gets done the exact same way. The way you talk about process, it's so 
it's so easy to say to people, do a process, but you know better than most people from consulting in your role, you can lead these people all the way down the path to the water, but there is in no way can you make them drink or even follow along. And I got to imagine like when I used to consult at large scale for, for huge dealers, it'd be frustrating when you'd spend your time, you'd give your input, you'd do it. And then you'd watch the end result. Is is that something that you deal with in the cannabis space? Or is that just something the rest of us deal with in the consulting world, Damien? No, no. I mean, it's something that you're going to see everywhere. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, talking about uh, cutting two by fours in a mill or or, or producing uh, ice cream. Um, you know, it's going to always still be that same thing. You have to deal with a lot of people's egos and a lot of different type of character types. And so how you present the information um, is going to be very important. Right. And so uh, one of the things that we see is, is, you know, you don't want to step on toes and kind of rub people the wrong way. So my approach is always going to be the business first approach. It's like, okay, by making these changes, you're going to see these effects happen on the bottom line and the numbers don't, won't lie. Uh, you know, regardless of what your opinion is, regardless if you think that your design was the best design um, and you don't want to admit that there's problems, we're not talking about that. We're saying you guys are here at this point. You want to get to here at this point. These are the changes that need to happen to get us there. And a lot of times it's like small changes, right? You can go in and a lot of the low hanging fruit is going to be uh, process driven. So you can show them small tweaks in the process. I like to always have growers do trials. I'm like, look, I understand you guys are set in your ways and you guys have a, a, a set routine, but let's take this area over here. Let's take 10 plants, 15 plants, 20 plants. Let's incorporate the changes that I'm talking about one at a time. And let's evaluate the results. If you guys like what you see, then we take the next step. Right. And so it's just very like, you know, it's just my approach to people. I try to work with all types of groups and finding you know, that as you try to balance the different personalities, uh, it's really about how does it affect the business at the end of the day um, and, and and how to set it up in a way that is going to ensure the survivability of that business, the sustainability of that business. Because we're not talking about just building a business today. We're talking about building a business that's going to be here in 30 to 40 years. Yeah, you got to have a much longer view of most of the main things and the bigger size scale projects that you take on for sure. Damien, we've talked a lot about your origin story. I've got to ask my questions. The best part of this show for me is being able to let you guys, the, the, the people in the space living it, sort of bring up what it is that you're passionate about in the moment, what you think people need to hear about it. So the time has come, Damien. What is burning inside you you want people to know about right now? Oh man, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I have my hands in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different cookie jars. And so, you know, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not just, uh, I'm not just solely working on cannabis. I'm doing a lot of food crops where we're integrating certain technologies, you know, uh, high, high image um, camera systems with um, autonomous learning systems, computer learning systems, being able to use, more automation to allow us to do more. And again, it's not to where we don't want to have people who, who don't love the plant growing the plant, whether it be food or cannabis, but it's about giving them the tools to be able to do it faster and, and bigger and better. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things that I'm, I, I work with a couple groups, you know, notably with uh, IUNU um, and they're a company that's doing um, 
camera imaging, digital camera imaging systems um, and control software uh, in both uh, food crops and cannabis crops. And so you get that nice crossover um, and, 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 you know, just being able to push the envelope. I've always been an innovative person. Um, I like being involved in, in innovative projects and things that are going to shake and move and kind of shape the industry. Um, and it's all with, you know, being able to produce the highest quality product at the lowest cost point for the producer um, and at the, at the best cost point for the consumer so that everybody has access to just better products. So um, did, are you yeah. saying that this is like AI? Is that, is that, are, are we, when you talk about the efficiencies of automation and all of this, is that so, cause obviously that's a huge buzzword right now, everywhere you look, everywhere yeah. you see, is, is that what you're referring to? Cause I'm not normally intrigued by anything AI driven, but if you're talking about it now, all of a sudden I'm interested. So is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about using like AI based or computer based learning systems where uh, the, with this digital camera, you can scan you can scan the the surface of the plant, right? And you can see all kinds of stuff. You can do, you can build a 3D model of the plant in real time. And then through the computer simulation modeling, you can simulate different scenarios in a blink of an eye and pick the best route. And then now deploy that in real time before you ever see any economic loss in the plant. Now, the interesting point to it is you can also detect anomalies like in temperature and uh, gas exchange and maybe like just the cellular structure. You can determine if there's been damage to the cells on the leaf surface or if, um, you know, it's it's been attacked by, uh, by an insect. So now you can detect this anomaly. You can do an alert to the growing team. They can come and check on it and, you know, fix it before it ever becomes a problem. So you can catch and detect issues weeks and weeks and weeks before it becomes a big problem. So again, that's another tool to allow growers to do a better job. And usually when you do a better job, it's at a lower cost point um, for production, right? You can produce it for cheaper and you're going to produce more consistency and and high quality in the back end. So I think it's a win-win all around. And so these systems then take this camera, this image, and at some point, you have to train the camera to see what it's seeing, right? So they'll go in and they'll say, okay, this is drought stress or this is insect damage. And then you start to train uh, the computer. So now every time it captures that same image or detects that same image in the future, it knows now what category to put it in. So then you can either do different types of, um, you know, alerts, whether you still just alert the growing team or now that creates an autonomous control point that gets fed through the system and then it says, okay, if this block over here is showing drought stress, it means I have to water. So now I'm going to irrigate that area. So, you know, just being able to do things um, faster and sooner than a human eye can can detect. Yeah. I mean, does that modeling that does that modeling take you all the way out to yield? Damien, are you able to get that far into it to say, all right, this plant today is X inches tall and we'll model it out. If conditions stay the same, I'm about to get this much yield. Yes. And, and through the use of that 3D modeling, because it, it can do a, what we call digital twin. So as these camera systems scan the plant, it knows the height and the depth of the plant, um, you know, and, and so it can, it can, you can follow the growth of the plant, develop a digital twin of it. Um, so you see the physical size of the plant in real time. So you can scan the, the, the different um, uh, 
rooms like you know if you're say you're gonna you're trying to determine when to when to um, harvest or how much you're going to harvest so that you can tell your downstream manufacturing and processing team what to expect now they can plan and they can be smarter right they they can do uh smarter planning and, and just be more lean on their processes if you can say exactly how many pounds of biomass you're going to be sending them yeah i mean from a business perspective the ability it gives you to plan is almost worth whatever it is you got to pay up front to have it or monthly to maintain it only because again, being in the business world, my whole life, that's what I focus on is businesses, helping businesses. That's yeah. a big, that, that's a huge efficiency. Like that sounds insane. I mean, look, I thought I was a nerd by using a microscope, you know, trying to make sure I had the right day to pick. All right. Like that was as geeky as I thought one could become. Then I start following a guy like you, I figure out I'm not even anywhere near a geek, but now I hear something like this. And I think my goodness, where are you seeing this implemented right now or where have you tested it? Like at what size scale, you know, I'm just really interested to learn more about kind of where you're testing this kind of a product. Yeah. So I, um, as of last year, and I'm sure it's increased a lot this year, as of last year, Ayunu um, stated that they had scanned more than a billion square feet of canopy space. And that would include food crops and cannabis crops. So you can imagine the amount of data that you would get if you scan every 30 minutes, um, right? And, and, and so there's just large amounts of data out there um, and, and it's just getting smarter and smarter every crop. And, and I'll give you an example, right? And, and we're talking about cannabis, but I think these, these technologies also work in food crops because it, you're allowed to gain efficiency uh, over anything that you're growing. So there's, uh, you know, lettuce companies, uh, you know, most lettuce crops are like 28 to 35 day crop, right? So very fast growth times. So um, some lettuce companies will have like an, you know, 15% variance depending on like this, uh, where they're at, but they'll have a 15% variance of uniformity of, of the product at the end. So they look for like a 250 to 300 gram head of lettuce at sale. Um, but they have that, they kind of fluctuate. Um, so we looked at one company where they said, okay, the conditions are the same in every zone, yet we have this 15% variance and it moves from zone to zone. So we can't really figure out what is causing it. And I said, well, let's look at, because it is a fast, move, a fast growing crop or a short crop cycle. Realistically, what happens before you put it into the production zone, right? That's the propagation. So you sow the seed, you grow it for a few days, a week or so, and then you move it into the into the production space. So we said, let's look at how you're doing your plant selections. How do you select what plant goes from a seedling into the production space? And they said, oh, we just see if it's germinated. But when you start to get down and drill down into the micro level, the micro detail, if you have a plant that's only growing for 35 days and within you have a variance of two to three days between seeds of germination, that means you, you have up to a 10% automatic variance already built in at, with it at the start, right? So you're already starting behind and it's always it's difficult to catch up because the inputs are the same. So the plant's going to grow uh, pretty much the same. But if one starts out three days ahead, the one that's behind is never going to catch up. So we use this camera system to scan the leaf surface area of the seedlings at emergence. And then you're able to detect where, you know, you're able to pick out which ones were, were what. So then that can send a signal to the, to a sorting machine or sorting robot 
So now you can sort and select all of your lettuce seedlings to have the same surface area of their leaf to ensure that you can say, okay, I only want uh, seedlings that have a minimum of X surface area to go into the bloom or into the bloom, sorry, into the production <laughs> space. And the other ones stay an extra day and they get scanned the next day. So you're able to select plants based on the physical size of the plant at a very small size. And you're able to then go and reduce your loss by one to 2% only. So we're able to, and again, if this happens in a, in a food crop, if you're able to gain a 10 plus percent efficiency by incorporating a technology in a food crop, which has small margins, imagine the implications on something much larger like cannabis or saffron or some other crop. Right. So it's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's I think, I think of the guys at glass house, like immediately, I'm just like, okay. So if I had like millions of miles of glass and just growing weed everywhere, wouldn't I want to know? I mean, just thinking about you being able to say to a machine, Hey, not those because the surface level based on our modeling, that surface level is going to come out to a plant. That's only what 230 grams. And we're trying to be at 250 to 350. So to know that modeling is humongous, I don't need to get into the details of, of, of costs, but you worked with this with a lettuce provider. Does that to them is the cost? Was it a lot when they first heard about it? Was there, was there, was there, was there pushback? Cause I mean, again, in my industry, when people bring in new tech, it's expensive and people are always like, ah, oh, the expense. Do you fight something like that in a situation like this being so new and emergent? Uh, you, you can, but I mean, I think the benefit that you have, uh, or that we have is that we're working with growers who are already in somewhat of a high tech situation. Um, and then they're looking to just find ways to optimize, right? So the basics are already covered. Um, and, and then now they're just looking for those extra percents. And so typically in a high tech situation, the operation has already had expensive levels of infrastructure in Got place. It. More like your 3.0, like you've been talking about then, like that's like the, the, the people that are already in the next level, for them, it's not about gaining another 20%. It's about finding that eight to 10 to just really hammer it out and clean it up. From this perspective, Damien, is there still more work that this will be able to continue to evolve and understand from this crop? Or is the seedling part figured out and now it maximizes the the middle grow or insects or, or anything like that? Does it go back and, and relearn and try to get better there? Or is it sort of an established, wow, we've already got the sorting part. We're good there. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and you can use the tech in many different ways. So you can use it as a plant selection tool. So you can just say, okay, I only want it to operate within these parameters and all day long, it's just going to do that. Or, you know, you can then uh, incorporate it into like the harvesting schedule to say, um, you know, physically scan the, the, the head of lettuce and anything that's the size gets harvested today. So I think you can, you can use that in different scenarios along the entire growth cycle. To, to just use it as a selection tool. And again, it's it, it's to the point where it could be more exact than a human eye, right? You can tell people pick two heads of lettuce uh, that you think are the same and you weigh them out and there's going to be some, some, you know, some small variances. But again, those small variances can come at the tune of millions of dollars a year, right? And so that's what you're trying to capture. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely incredible to think that AI has made its way successfully into there. Damien, can you spell that company's name one more time? I want to make sure we get it right down here. Oh, yeah, it's IUNU. So it's I-U-N-U dot com. 
Com. All right, cool, man. That's awesome. I I look forward to learning more and highlighting that part of the discussion. Um, when you you've been really generous with your time, so I want to kind of you know take this and, and wrap it up a little bit for us here. But as you look towards the future of the cannabis space, what are you most excited about? What is what has got you? I'm going to say aside from technology, because I see you light up when we talk about this AI. But from that perspective, where you sit in the space, what excites you about where we're headed here? Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of things, right? I think it's just a, 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 I'm just going to say maturation and a professionalism of the industry at a global level. I think when you look at and you compare it to other agri- uh, horticultural and agricultural crops uh, and products, um, we have a lot of we we still have a lot of room to grow in cannabis, right? And one area I think is genetics and just really understanding how to use. And I'm not talking about genetic modification, right? We wouldn't want to do that, um, but you can utilize some of the same uh, equipment um, and and tools to accelerate um, the, the the breeding practices, right? So that we can get to that final. Uh, product with, with with those selected characteristics so like finding something that can help against powdery mildew right let's find let's find what codes what, what genes in the sequence code for um you know disease suppression or disease resistance and start to work that in through traditional breeding techniques into our cultivars right and where i where i think you we're going to see the in, where i want to see the industry and where where it it will go is that in the future as we for commercial crops, it's going to be a true to type hybridized seed that is an autoflower, much like most other commercial vegetable production and things like that. Right. A farmer comes in, they plant 50 acres of seed. 75 days later, they come and harvest. I mean, yeah, dude, I live in Wisconsin. I mean, I watch it every day. I have I have a couple of nephews in the horticultural world. They're like, look, we have some of the best soil in the world here. It's such a shame that we can't grow cannabis in it because watch what we're able to do with, you know, corn or bean or whatever it is. And you're right. It's, it is something that's set down. It doesn't even look like it's happening and how it, all right, dude, I'm going to get, a, I, I got to ask you, how does it get so straight in the line? Damien, what am I missing? Cause I watched this spreader machine lay these things and I don't, and then I, I see how it grows. How does it do that? Is that just how the, it gets spread out? Like, is that just the machine itself? Yeah, it's just the machine itself. You can set the density and how many, you know, how many seeds per acre and, and kind of the row spacing and you set that all in there and the machines just do it. Right. And, and I get when we start to talk about, you know, this stuff, people are like, Oh, well, you know, we want to grow natural weed. You're still talking about growing natural weed. It's not a genetically modified thing. It's just being able to uh, identify those key characteristics very quickly and incorporate them into your final product. So you're reducing the amount of time it gets to, you know, to that final product. Right. And, there's always going to still be a need for niche markets, like maybe, you know, the local farmer's market where you have boutique and craft entities that are still producing weed, you know, through clonal cuttings, it's going to happen or through being able to just take feminized seed and, and do it that way. But I think the idea is just to find ways to, to scale up to a point where we're, at par with the rest of commercial agriculture. Yeah, that's that's it right there. Because again, you talk about how to get cutting the cycle, getting things down, being more efficient. That is a word that I, I think I've circled in my nose probably 10 times today because you do yeah. go back to it. And because I think it is the most important part 
Jamie, man, thanks a lot. You have been a plant geek. I don't even know that sums it up. You're just like a plant wizard, dude. I love talking to you. I could talk to you about this shit all day. Uh, hope you come back on the show here as we start to establish who we are, what we're doing in the space. Uh, hope to someday be able to share one of those beautiful joints you seem to have with you in every facet of your life. I absolutely love it, man. Thanks a lot for joining us and uh, and keep doing what you're doing. The industry needs it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. All right, everyone. Thanks right. for joining. We look forward to you joining us next week. More great cannabis people. But don't forget, as we close out the show, like our man Dustin says, uh, the goal here is to be able to work together to educate and put this plant in its rightful place in society. So thank you all so much for joining. Have yourselves a wonderful week. Thank you.